listening to the Art of Fulfillment podcast. We interview the world's most fulfilled people to share with you the strategies, techniques, and ideas that can help you master your own art of fulfillment. Life isn't about external success. It's all about fulfillment. Or in other words, how you feel about yourself when you are by yourself. Today's guest is a psychologist, a senior fellow of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley, and a New York Times bestselling author. His books have been published in 28 languages and include Neurodharma, Resilient, Hardwiring Happiness, Buddha's Brain, Just One Thing, and Mother Nurture, with over 900,000 copies in English published alone. Founder of the Wellspring Institute for Neuroscience and Contemplative Wisdom, he has been an invited speaker at Google, NASA, Oxford, and Harvard, and taught in meditation centers worldwide. He has several online offerings, including the Neurodharma Experiential Program, and over 150,000 people receive his free weekly newsletter. So please, help me in welcoming Rick Hansen to the Art of Fulfillment. Welcome on the show, Rick. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Joe, and please call me Rick. Oh, well, of course, Rick. Yeah. And uh, we were just talking about the show, how I've, I've read some of your books before and I've absolutely loved the work. It has a pro- it had a profound impact on my life as I started to get into the meditation and Buddhist philosophy and everything like that. And I think what you have to offer to the world is is truly special. So it's a real honor to have you on here. And and one area that I really want to start this conversation is, is because in, in some of your books, you talk about this and in other interviews, you talk about how when you started on on you know growing up and kind of getting the feel for life that you recognized that there was unnecessary unhappiness in your life. So can you talk a little bit about like what that was and what that realization was and and what it essentially means to have that unnecessary unhappiness in life? I'm really glad you started there. That's really cool, actually. <laughs> uh, so uh, point one is that. We often know things when we're young that we can't really put into words, but we know them. We feel them. We know them in our bodies. And then maybe later in adulthood, we look back and we realize, yeah, I always knew in the back of my mind X, whatever that was. And for me, it's really striking when I look back at my early memories. I'm, I'm talking three years old here, maybe even mm-hmm. a little younger than that. And definitely uh, through grade school and high school, I just had a, this sense a lot in the kind of wallpaper of my mind, you know, the background awareness, that there was just a lot of unnecessary hassle, conflict, bickering, fussing, feuding. I grew up in a reasonably loving, intact, uh, middle American family, grew up in Southern California. No, nothing horrible. And even then, just a lot of unnecessary worry, irritation, hassling of others, and so forth. And in the back of my mind, there was this wistful longing for another way. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do it. I was a kid, right? I was three years old or I was 13 years old. Uh, but deep in my heart, I knew deep down that there was some better way to do it. And that kind of set me on my way down the long road of the human potential movement, psychology, neuropsychology, and contemplative practice. Yeah, no, that is so awesome. And I can resonate with that like 100% because that's what almost led me down the same path was realizing that, hey, it's like I'm I'm in a good upbringing, same thing as you, like middle class, like good parents, loving family. But I was like, I'm not feeling happy and I don't know why. Like it's just, yeah. it's it's interesting. 
Yeah, and even looking around and seeing that's true for so many others. Like deep in my mm -hmm. core, I actually felt there was a contentment deep inside. As mm -hmm. I got older, it got covered over with a lot of unhappiness on my in my part, okay? But in addition to whatever was true in me, probably like you as well, I could look around. I could just see that people were not happy. And mm -hmm. I don't mean jump up and joy, you're always supposed to be happy. I, I don't believe in positive thinking. I believe in realistic thinking. I don't want to look at the world through rose-colored glasses or mud-colored glasses, right? I want right. to see the way things as they really are. And recognize also that the world is full of challenges, uh, large and small, whether the small challenges of dealing with pain in your back or the impact of being mistreated as a kid that still lives on in your mind or the challenge of just looking for a good life partner and not finding mm -hmm. one. Or having a job that's okay but not great or scaled up you know the challenge of living in a country in which about a third of the people in it seem deeply committed to a kind of political cult and mm -hmm. what do we got to do you know what i mean right. uh, so these are challenges large and small we need to build strengths inside we need to grow inside ourselves to be able to cope contribute and find contentment along the way Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I love that so much. And I love how you delved on your topic of, of inner strengths. And I love how your books all teach those inner strengths, like grit, resilience, happiness, like all those things. I think they're so awesome. And I want to get into that too. But there's one thing that you said that was really interesting, where you said that there was a contentment deep inside mm -hmm. you, and it kind of got buried away by all those challenges, like you mentioned, because, hey, I mean, life, it, it isn't always easy. Like, we're always going to face challenges. So my question to you is, do you think that everybody has an inner contentment that they can unlock and then how did you personally in your life allow yourself to unlock that contentment where it became more of a default state as opposed to kind of being pushed down by you know all those things that were stacking on top of it this is great joe i mean really you're really you are getting right at the heart of the matter this is really good oh thank okay. you <laughs> so um biologically just biologically when a zebra is chill or a mouse a monkey or a human it's just chilling right has enough grass to eat no lions are attacking the moment normal healthy brain an intact brain not concussed or demented or you know having a stroke just normal mm -hmm. the body and our being returns home to our resting state the resting state of a dynamic equilibrium defines it so the resting state is our home base and the resting state, when we're not disturbed, when we're not stressed, when we don't feel like something's missing and something's wrong, there's a fundamental underlying natural contentment mm. and warm-heartedness and sense of calm strength that is in our true nature, just biologically, mm -hmm. grounded in our true, you know, in science, right? And then beyond that, some people, me included, intuit that there's something even mysteriously beyond um, ordinary reality that uh, is the foundation of the foundation of our true nature. Uh, but a person doesn't have to believe in that or relate to that even, just to recognize that when no shark is chewing on your leg, when you've eaten enough, when you're not preoccupied, when you kind of calm down, uh, for most of us, we come home to a place that feels pretty sweet. Now, if a person is disturbed from that resting state chronically 
through depression, for example, or mm -hmm. anxious mood, or you know, underlying feelings of shame, or invasive traumatic material, let's say, that floods a person when they kind of calm down and, and lower their defenses inside, then that then they're not in their resting state. Okay. Mm. Uh, but our resting state fundamentally has an underlying inherent contentment, inner peace, and lovingness. That's who we are. We're also capable of being driven from home uh, <laughs> into fight or flight uh, or freeze responses uh, that might include kind of chronic grievances with others and vengeance toward them and round and round it goes. <laughs> I figure you'll edit that part out. Uh, uh, so we're fully capable as humans of extremes of distress and dysfunction and extremes of mistreatment of others. But when we're not disturbed, when there's a sense of enoughness and balance, we do return to that excellent true nature. So that's really, really good news. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't need to scratch and claw to the mountaintop to become who we are not, to become something we're not already. The trick, a lot, is to uncover gradually and come home to who we already are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and wow, that was really beautiful and awesome. And it's so cool how it's a biological like fact of nature, right? Like it's not yeah. just in this thing on the ether that's philosophy or anything. Like there's actually science behind that that's so rooted. And it's really cool when people can can realize, like you saying, like at times we can feel like we're in danger but really we're not like really we're yeah. we're just we just have to just get in touch with that calm state so i know Can you I said build like on once something i want you know, i want absolutely to, a lot of people they the new normal for them is mild chronic stress they're mm -hmm. kind of in the pink zone a lot may not be full red but yeah. it's definitely not the green zone and they kind of think that's normal except it's not normal it's not normal biologically uh, there's a kind of a saying that most episodes of stress in the wild and quickly, one way or another, right? Mm -hmm. And what you'll see is that the zebra who gets away from the lion goes back to eating grass calmly within a few minutes. But humans obsess about the past, worry about the future, and we've created a modern civilization which has lots of wonderful things like Skype. We're recording this on Skype right now. I'm yo a major fan of Spotify. I like ESPN. <laughs> I like refrigerators. I like Advil. I like all that good stuff, right? Right. And still, our modern lives uh, with their go-go, fast-paced, multitasking, invasive media, you know, shifting gears from one thing to another all the time, that puts people into a state of mild chronic stress. That's not normal. Our mm -hmm. normal is to have long periods in the green zone punctuated by episodes of stress, you know, running from the saber-toothed tiger, and then hopefully you get away, and then back to chilling again. And um, that's that's how we ought to live, right? And yeah. the way that people kind of assume uh, we ought to live is totally aberrant. It's mm -hmm. wrong. It's not our biological evolved heritage. And so to me, the takeaway is how do we live in modern life? I do a million things a day. I mean, I probably do 100 plus emails a day. I juggle a lot of stuff. I'm a normal guy. I'm not living in some commune in Oregon picking blueberries. Nothing wrong with that, right? I'm living a fast-paced life. So the trick now is how to live a fast-paced life, how to enjoy the fruits of modern technical societies 
while simultaneously preserving an unshakable core in the center of your being of resilience and happiness. How do you do that? And that's what takes me into positive neuroplasticity and the fundamental how of hardwiring inner strengths inside yourself so you can cope with the challenges of life while remaining on an even keel and also the how of repeatedly hardwiring into yourself the felt sense of needs met enough already so that when the next challenge arrives, it lands on an underlying unconditional sense of well-being and peacefulness, contentment, and warm-heartedness. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was inc- that was incredibly interesting, and I love how you pointed in there how there is a possibility to live that fast-paced life where you're achieving, where you're going after stuff, and also have that equanimity where you're having that balance and that calmness. Right at the same time because a lot of people in my life who I've talked to and and who would say hey you should try meditating it, cha- it helped my life they're like well I don't want to lose my edge or I don't exactly. want to be passive or I don't want to relieve my stress because my stress drives me but yeah. like you said it's not the normal way to live and I, I would assume you agree in this but I believe that if you are able to have that fast paced life in the calmer state you are actually going to gain more of an edge than if you were to do it in that pink okay. zone right yeah let me so, explain Absolutely exactly right. So the reason why our resting state, our home base, is um, basically has a quality of well-being in it, it's because that sense of well-being enables the body to repair itself and refuel itself and recover from stressful activities and conserve its resources. Mm. And that green zone feels good because it is good. It's mm-hmm. the blueprint. Uh, from Mother Nature, based on 600 million years of evolution of the brain, of the nervous system, for example, um, in Jurassic Park <laughs> and, you know, Stone Age conditions. So it's, it, there's a reason why it, feel, it is good to feel good, right? So right. point one, that's the long-term strategy for peak performance over the long haul. Second, living in the pink zone might get you through the day. It might get you through the sales cycle. Long term, it's going to wear you down. It's Mm -hmm. going to tear you down rather than building you up. And I understand that people may have learned a way to be. I learned how to cope, learned ways to be. But those are like intermediate vehicles. It's like Mm -hmm. walking around in a pseudo armor today that's three sizes too small. And we can outgrow those more primitive, simple, or maybe at a certain point in our life, necessary ways of being and acquire ways of being that still enable us to work 60 hours a week. That's probably about what I work every week. Drives my Mm. wife crazy, but it's my (laughs) style. I like it. I like to work, right? Right. Uh, We can still be ambitious. We can have big dreams. We can really go for it. We can be fiery when people are messing with us. We can speak truth to power. We can stand up for our friends and those we care Mm -hmm. about. We can do those strong things while at the same time retaining an inner freedom staying Mm. free inside our own mind and inside the core of our own being. So we're not flooded by anger or greed or grasping or resentment or feelings of inadequacy along the way. That's the possibility. And I think that that is the prescription for peak performance in your career and your life over the marathon of a whole life rather than treating it like a sprint. 
Wow, I love that so much. And yeah, because I've I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in other lives where it's like that you have that ping zone kind of building up day day and then you kind of hit a wall where you're like, whoa, I'm wiped. Because you're right, it's not like sustainable. It's, it's not that, sustainable. That, yeah. yeah, it's that Band-Aid fix. And so the natural next question is, okay, like the the how around it and, and the process behind it. So what what is the process that our listeners can take if they want to say, okay, well, I don't want to live in the pink zone. I want to tap into this contentment. I want to tap into this this state of being that's going to allow me to to chase or not to chase, but to experience life in the way that I want to, you know, in this calm, balanced state that's going to lead to happiness and fulfillment. What does that process actually look like? Yeah. So uh, it's really down to earth. It's not airy-fairy. So let's think about <laughs> what's what's the zone a person really wants to be in. Okay. So think of, let me ask you. I'll turn it back on you, Joe. So right. if, you, if you were allowed to have a handful of words to describe the zone you'd like to be in as you move through your day, including getting a lot of stuff done, what are what's your handful of words? You know, psychological characteristics. What's it feel like? Mm-hmm. Who are you when you are at your best? Yeah, definitely in a state of uh, like a flow feeling, where one where it just feels like I'm so present, not in my head, um, and I feel authentic. Like I'm not trying to be someone else. I'm not trying right. to do anything, but I just I am. Like okay. that's that's so the way I would present, describe it. Present in the moment, and you're authentic. What else? How else would you describe? how you want to be as you move through your day. I want to be, Hmm. I I do. I do want to be content and, but more so than content, I want to feel like what I'm doing is mattering in some sense. Okay. Um, so in a fulfilled a manner, sense of purpose and meaning, purpose and right? meaning. Yes. And you want to be strong and effective in what you do. Exactly. Yep. Right? Yep. Right? Probably related to other people. Yes. You know, kind of connected. a friendliness about you. A hundred percent connected, loved, and uh, appreciation yeah. for Feeling everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay, gratitude for other things. And also maybe a sense of confidence. Like you're, confidence, you're worthy. Yes. That's the word. Okay. So I'm going to say it back to you really fast summary. So among multiple things you said, you want to feel present in the moment and authentic. Like you are yourself. You're not having mm-hmm. to fake stuff. You can be real. While feeling effective, feeling meaningful, like you're doing what has meaning for you, Mm -hmm. Uh, you're connected to others, and along the way, there's a sense of confidence, uh, Mm -hmm. self-worth, and capability together, Uh, and you're enjoying your life. You're having fun. It's enjoyable as you go. All right, great. Okay, so let's say that's the zone. And by the way, this little exercise I did with you is probably good for other people, just to try to put it in plain, old-fashioned Reader's Digest, Midwestern <laughs> words. How do you want to feel, right? How do you right. want to be? Okay. In psychological language, these are called resources mm-hmm. or traits. Traits, stable ways of being you want to cultivate. Not just have them as passing states, passing states of mind, passing experiences, but traits. This is who Joe is becoming. This is who mm-hmm. Rick is becoming. This is who Joe is. For example, that's what we want to do. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's pick one or two or three, right? Yeah. Uh, you can pick it, or I'll just nominate one or two or three that you uh, really want to develop these days. You really want to focus on growing and stabilizing in yourself. Yeah, I think confidence is definitely the big one. Great. It's classic. So that's that combination of self worth, you know, inner worth, 
that enables mm-hmm. us to bounce back from ordinary disappointments or rejections or just, you know, other people, et cetera. And along with that self-worth in confidence is a sense of capability. Like mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing. You know, I'm not going to, it's like a baseball player, right? If you, if you strike out two out of three times, you're still going to get $10 million a year. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't have to hit a home run every time, but still, right. you're making okay, good, cable. Okay, cool. All right. So, <clears throat> the fundamental way to grow anything you want to grow in yourself. This is the magic formula based in brain science. It's mm-hmm. a simple two-step process. First, you must experience what you want to grow. Second, you must turn it into a lasting change in your body, especially your brain a lasting change of neural structure or function. Mm -hmm. To put it a certain kind of way, you need to get that good song playing on the inner iPod, right? Right. And second, you need to record it so that it becomes part of your standard playlist. So it's in you in an ongoing way. You you move from state to trait, state to trait, Mm -hmm. again and again and again. And then as you develop, let's say, the trait of confidence, including self-worth and capability, then that fosters feelings of Mm self-confidence and related things. Traits foster states, states uh, foster traits. Okay, great. That's positive neuroplasticity in a nutshell, and it's summarized in this famous saying, neurons that fire together, wire together. So Mm -hmm. you gotta get them firing, but then critically important, you gotta get them wiring. Otherwise, it's like cotton candy. It goes right through. It has Mm -hmm. no lasting value. So if you want to turn on the recorder so that you actually become a little more confident every day, authentically, and more and more, you don't have to use your willpower. It's like developing a habit. It just becomes increasingly natural. It becomes who you are, right? So as you go through your day, look for opportunities to experience confidence Mm. of one kind or another. For example, look for opportunities to feel that other people appreciate you, Okay, that's mm-hmm. a major source of confidence. Like you, listen to you, or you know, are grateful to you. Also, look for opportunities to recognize your own warm heart. Mm-hmm. A lot of the sense of confidence is interpersonal. You know, your own, the goodness in your own nature. Look for that. Also, as you get stuff done, let it sink in. Oh, I'm accomplishing all these things. I'm mm-hmm. capable in all these ways. This email, this interview, this tricky interaction. Um, I'm able to do that, you know, let that sink in. Or when you feel strong and capable, like, yo, I'm, maybe I'm tired, but I just keep going because I'm determined. I'm the energizer. You know, I'm Thomas the train engine, whatever, the little (laughs) engine that could. I just keep on going. Um, That feeling, that feeling. Maybe you get that feeling when you lift a weight in a workout or you hold that pose in yoga or when you just get through a shitty day, you have Mm -hmm. that feeling that there's a strength inside yourself. So these are different aspects of confidence, any one of which is good, and all of which are available to us in the flow of an ordinary day. Mm-hmm. Then when you're experiencing them, when that song is playing in the inner iPod privately, no one needs to know you're doing it, which is part of what's really cool about this, <laughs> right? When you're experiencing what you want to grow, slow it down for a breath or two or longer. Stay mm-hmm. with it. Keep those neurons firing away so they start wiring away. Also, feel it in your body, especially for men. 
make it more than just an idea. Yeah. Like, yo, okay, I got that done, whatever. No, feel it. Feel it, right? Like that person smiled at me. Okay, whatever. No, feel it. Feel it in your mm -hmm. body. Slow it down and try to feel it. What are the body sensations? What are the emotions of it? That's going to make it leave more of a trace behind in mm -hmm. the machinery of the brain. Literally the machinery of the brain. Also, focus on what feels good about it. What feels good mm -hmm. about being capable? What feels good about being freaking determined? What feels good about having a sense of your own skillfulness, that you're able to you know, do certain kinds of things, including with other people, let's say. Mm -hmm. Or what's, the, uh, what's enjoyable about feeling that somebody likes you or is friendly or is appreciative of you? Um, by focusing on what's rewarding about an experience, that also will increase the physical traces left behind in the tissues of your own brain. Mm -hmm. So any one of those three suggestions I made, number one, stay with it for a breath or longer. Number two, feel it in your body. Number three, focus on what's rewarding about it. Any one of them will help to um, hardwire that experience more into your nervous system. The more, the better. You can also go to my website, rickhanson.net. I have a lot of detailed information about these methods that really give us the power to take charge of the brain change process. Mm -hmm. Your brain is being changed routinely, often mm -hmm. for the worse, by other people, painful experiences, everyday stress, the long shadow of your own childhood maybe. The brain is mm -hmm. being changed continually. The only question is, is it being changed for the better and who's in charge? Right. What I'm focusing on here with you is how to take charge of it yourself from the inside out and change it for the better. Oh yeah, I got the chills when you said the last sentence. That was that was awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that process. And yeah, it's it's awesome when you're able to just sit with the feeling when it's not fleeting, right? Like you said, like you know, a lot of the moments in life that are come up that are good, like we tend to think, oh well, I don't, I don't feel like happiness or confidence daily. But it's like, yeah, you probably do, but it's just fleeting and you're not aware of it. And I know that there's probably some some people on the podcast right now is like, well, yeah, I want to develop, you know, more gratitude in my life or I want to develop, you know, more happiness in my life. But you don't understand, Joe and Rick, like, yeah. like my life, I don't have those things, but I'm a firm believer. And I don't know if you are, but I'm a firm believer is like opportunities will arise if you choose to see them. And, and that reticular activating system in your brain to start spotting those opportunities. So how how does a person like learn how to see those opportunities and like catch them as opposed to believing that they don't exist for them or that their life is different in a certain way where they don't experience it? Like I guess the essential question of what I'm getting to is how how can we train to be more aware of those experiences as opposed to you know seeing with a certain rose tinted glasses that's not going to see them. Yeah, really, really key question. So first point, the worse a person's life is, right? Mm -hmm. the, the harder it is, uh, the more they're dealing with things like health issues or the more uh, they're being discriminated against or mistreated, the more that the world around them is screwed up and not helping. In other mm -hmm. words, in, being real, keeping it real, the mm -hmm. worse their life is the more important it is for mm -hmm. them to look for these little genuine opportunities to grow strengths of various kinds each day because the world's not helping. You got to grow it from the inside out. And second, the bigger the challenges in your life, the more important it is to grow resources inside yourself. So I want to mm -hmm. be really clear. 
what I'm talking about is not smell the roses or mm -hmm. la di da, some kind of yuppie thing at yoga camp, you know. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. no. You know, I've had a lot of difficulty in my life, and, and my life has been very fortunate. I see around me many, many people mm. who each day are dealing with a really, really messed up world. And to me, what motivates me is that this is the essence of self-reliance. This mm. is old school stuff we're talking about. How do you help yourself a little bit, at least each day, to become stronger, wiser, uh, more peaceful, deep down inside the core of your being? How do you actually do that every day? And along the way, then you have more you can offer to others who are mm -hmm. coming with you down the long road of life. So that's that's really point one. This is not some la di da thing. This is really the essence of old school self-reliance. Second, um, your, your point's exactly right. So what do you do if you're living in poverty? What do you do if you're being mistreated routinely? What do you, what do, you do if there's not that much to be grateful for, right? Mm -hmm. Then what you do is you look for whatever you can. You look for that single blade of grass coming up through the broken city street sidewalks. Um, I've spent time in India, Haiti, poor parts of the world, and it's interesting that the people in those parts of the world are actually really good at finding those little things. That mm -hmm. smile from another person they receive or offering that smile to another person. And that's a really, really key point. When you're, you're being mistreated or your life feels barren, you know, like the Sahara Desert, because it is, let's say. <laughs> it's really right. including other people, let's say. It's totally natural to want to receive more from the outside in. And you mm -hmm. should. And we should all do what we can to help the world be better so it's got more in it for mm -hmm. people so they can receive from the outside in. That's true. That said, keeping it real, the world will break your heart. The world will take a long time. The cavalry is not coming to the rescue. Thinking about those movies where the cavalry would come to the rescue. Uh, uh, although that wasn't so good to the native people that the cavalry was not rescuing, but that's a whole yeah. other thing. Um, <laughs> you know, it's to realize, wow, what are we going to do meanwhile? And what's interesting is that while you cannot make the world be loving or friendly or kind or helpful to you, you can't make it be helpful to you. Still, no one can stop you from being helpful to someone else. Mm. No one can stop you from making little contributions and sometimes big ones every day. And in the process of you making those contributions yourself, seeing the good in another person, sustaining attention to them for an extra five or 10 or 20 seconds, giving them the feeling that actually you are listening. Doesn't mean you agree with them. Doesn't mean you're going to be their best friend. Doesn't mean you're going to keep talking after another minute or so. But during that minute, you're really there for them. Well, those little gifts, those little acts of contribution that are under our own power to offer every day make us feel good too. Right. And right there is an opportunity for some kind of beneficial experience. So whether it's based on seeing the blade of grass uh, or the glitter of the sand in the sidewalk in the sun, or just looking around and going, holy moly, that reality is here at all, right? right. Or seeing uh, someone who whose face touches your heart. You know, they look kind, or they look happy, or they look pretty, or, or what have you. Um, we have opportunities like that every day 
to taking the good from the outside in, and we have opportunities every day to offer some good ourselves. And in the process of that, also having a good experience that we can take in. There are zillions of ways, in other words, to get beneficial songs playing in the inner iPod. Mm -hmm. Question is not whether you can get beneficial songs playing, because there always are ways to do it, unless someone is in absolute agonizing pain or utterly crippled by severe clinical depression. They'd kill themselves if they could just get out of bed, for mm -hmm. example. Other than those extremes, there are always opportunities to get beneficial songs playing in the inner iPod. And as soon as those songs are playing, bingo, you can turn on the recorder. Right. Oh, yes. Oh, I, I so agree with that in every way possible. That was such an awesome description. And it reminded me so much of a quote that I just love. It's like when you when you change the way you see things, the things you see change. Right. And it's not like the things in the outside world are changing. You're just becoming more aware of it. And and you're looking actively looking for those like different opportunities and taking them in and and really just making them a part of yourself and looking for that one small little blade of grass in, in the city cracks. And I love that analogy because I know to some people and their, their lives are, you know, way harder than mine, way harder than yep. yours, way harder than it. And it's, and it's so great to paint that picture. And since this whole podcast is like about fulfillment, is, is this something that we can do with fulfillment? And, um, is that like a skill or is that more like a different kind of thing? Like, is it exclusive to only confidence in the things that we laid out before? Or is this, you know, something that we can apply to any trade we want, including fulfillment? Wow. So, um, Fulfillment, just to make sure I'm using the word the way you are, is let's say a sense of meaning and purpose. The term you may know is eudaimonia, eudaimonic mm -hmm. well-being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a and a sense that even more fundamentally of an enoughness in this life. Yes. That you you don't want it to end, and still, this has been a wonderful ride. Kind right. of like that sense of it all. Yeah, exactly. That was right. that was a, an amazing way to describe it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, okay, great. So two things. It's a great question. First, the sense of fulfillment is the result of things, partly. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's the result of internalizing many experiences of meaning and purpose and satisfaction and feeling that the deepest longings in us have been, to some reasonable degree, fulfilled. In other words, that people who have a longing to actualize or express some inherent talent, they feel like a thoroughbred trapped to a plow going up and down the furrows of life. And there is something that's not fulfilled about a talent they have. Maybe it's music, maybe it's social service, maybe it's with animals, maybe it's just uh, intellectual, a capacity to really understand things. So they need to actually fulfill that experience uh, as a, a cause of the result of feeling fulfilled. That's a very important point. Mm -hmm. Also, people sometimes have desires to serve and contribute and, mm -hmm. and help the world be a better place. So here too, the fulfillment of those longings and values helps to foster the result of the experience of fulfillment. Okay, so mm -hmm. fulfillment and feeling fulfilled is a result of various experiences that are repeatedly internalized. Very important point. There are mm -hmm. a lot of people who have fulfilling lives who do not feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. They are contributing, 
they are actualizing themselves, they uh, are having uh, a lot of enjoyment and pleasure in the big uh, park, you know, <laughs> the big amusement park of reality. Right. And they don't feel it deep down inside because they're not taking it in. And they're endlessly hungry as a result. So it's very important, not just to have fulfilling experiences, including the ones you, you skillfully help yourself have, but you must also internalize them and let them sink in. You must take in that good. You must turn those uh, songs playing on the inner iPod, those fulfilling songs, into some kind of recording. Okay. The other thing, though, about fulfillment is that it's not just the result of things. It's a cause of things. Mm. And as we feel increasingly a kind of unconditional sense of fulfillment inside that we is the result of internalizing many fulfilling experiences, as we increasingly develop this unconditional sense of fulfillment, it's not based on external conditions. So even if we encounter a disappointment, we don't like it, understandably, and we try to learn from it, and maybe we grumble about it for a few days. But if we have an unconditional sense of fulfillment inside, that unpleasant experience lands in on a big buffer. It lands on a big shock absorber. To put it a little differently, if, the if, if your sense of fulfillment is like about as big as a bucket, and you drop a bowling ball of disappointment into that bucket, <laughs> not much sense of fulfillment left, right? Right. But if your sense of fulfillment is like a big lake, and mm. you throw a bowling ball into it, splash, but then whoosh, that bowling ball of disappointment, of mistreatment, of failure, let's say, it's just, it's, it's there, it's real, we're not denying it, no rose-colored no rose glasses, not looking on the bright side, we just see it as what it is, but it's in the context of trait fulfillment that a person has acquired over time. And mm -hmm. that sense of trait fulfillment over time breeds confidence, builds resilience, makes us tougher, stronger, and um, much more able to be generous and large-hearted with others because we feel already that our cup runneth over inside. Right, exactly. Yeah, wow, I love that analogy with the bowling ball. It makes total sense. And uh, it, it's it's really interesting because it seems like this is a a process along the way, right? It's something that kind of stacks on each other, but at the same time, there's almost that like instantaneous, like you feel more fulfilled just because you're staying with it. But when you keep doing it along the time and the neurons that fire together, wire together, it is that lasting process, which I think is so cool because it's, it's both in the moment, but it's also a lasting experience, which I think is awesome. And, and, you know, one thing that you're all about too is, is, you know, well-being. And I'm sure that fulfillment kind of goes into the well-being there. And I know you have a course out that helps people to, um, really develop those skills of well-being that I'm sure will lead to that sense of, you know, lasting fulfillment, like you said. So can you talk a little bit more about that course? I'm, I'm excited to take in, take oh, yeah. it and dig into it. Um, but, Tell our listeners about you know what you teach on the course, where can they find it, and and what it's oh, all sure. about, and what they'll learn from it. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. Well, um, first a little bit of geeky talk here because yes, geeky please. is cool, right? It so is about a yeah about a third on average of what makes us who we are is baked into our DNA. All right, mm -hmm. it's kind of fixed. That's the so-called nature aspect of the equation. But the other two thirds, roughly of the factors that shape us are acquired. They are acquired, they're not baked into our DNA. That means in principle they're under our influence. And that's full of possibility. 
So to me, the bigger the challenges in our life, the more we need to ramp up resources. And the primary place to grow resources is inside your mind because yes. no one can stop you from growing them there. And you take the benefits with you wherever you go. So I've created this online program that summarizes. I'm a clinical psychologist. You know, I've been doing that for 30 years. Ten years before that, I've been doing tons of human potential things, wild and crazy stuff, a lot of business consulting, and a lot of meditation and meditation training along the way. So basically what I did is I pulled together everything I knew about the 12 key strengths that we need to develop and in this online program, really systematically, at about an hour a week, very down-to-earth, common sense, and very experiential, I have pulled together very powerful ways to grow these 12 strengths. 12 strengths like mindfulness, compassion, grit, gratitude, motivation, intimacy, courage, aspiration, generosity, uh, lots and lots of fundamental core strengths that are the basis for the cause of well-being and success and resilience as we go down, the, go down the road of life. So people can check out that program. It's really well-priced. Um, you can find out about it on my um, uh, website, the, uh, the foundations of, sorry, my website, rickhanson.net. The program is called uh, The Foundations of Well-Being. We're actually running a sale. So this uh, while, during the period of time that this podcast will drop, there's $200 off. Um, mm -hmm. We have a money-back guarantee. We have continuing ed education credits uh, for those who want to get that if they're therapists and stuff. Uh, we have fantastic experts along with me in the program. People get all these videos, ex you know, guided meditations. They can use it whenever they want. They can download it. They get lifetime access to it. And for those who really, really, really have a genuine financial issue, with affording the program, we love giving away scholarships. We've given mm -hmm. away thousands of scholarships at this point. And in many ways, the function of the program, it's the Robin Hood principle. You know, people like me, probably people like you, Joe, should pay for it. But that enables Absolutely. lots and lots of people, students, older people on fixed incomes, people out of work, people in developing countries around the world, people living in poverty here in America. Mm -hmm. uh, we want you to do it for free. And we're really happy about making that available to you. So, yeah, check it out. RickHanson.net, S-O-N, the Foundations of Wellbeing program. Oh, my gosh. It sounds so awesome just hearing that. And, again, I'm excited to take it, too. And, for yeah, for our listeners who are really interested in that, I totally, totally suggest that you check his course out um, and, and dive into his world. Like I said, I, I've really delved deep into his work and his impact in my life so much. And I'm sure that this course will do the same thing for you tenfold. And I think, and Rick, I just want to say thank you for um, offering this to, for free for some people who, you know, financially can't do it because that is incredible. And um, I just want to say thank you so much for your your willingness to contribute to those who will actually serve because it shows that, you know, you are doing this to help people and, and you got a big heart. And, you know, that's that's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I really resonate with with your message so much is because you know you genuinely care and so i want to say thank you for that i really appreciate that oh man thank you of course of course and dude i can talk with you for literally all day like the whole 24 fun. hours that would be would so be fun. fun it would be so fun but i'm sure our podcast listeners would be like oh man i don't, I don't have the time for this so yeah. unfortunately we're, we're at the tail end of the podcast and um 
and I'll post a link to the course if anyone's interested in the bio. Um, so you can check that out and, and Rick mentioned his website too in there. Um, so dive into Rick's world. I totally, totally recommend that. I couldn't recommend it even more enough. So, um, so Rick, for my last question here, um, where, what does fulfillment mean to you, which you already described a little bit, but to you personally, what does it mean and what fulfills you in life? Well, that's been a journey for me. Uh, and I think it's a fundamental kind of question. Uh, I would say that I want to answer it in two kinds of ways. And mm -hmm. I've never thought about it like this. So you're getting it kind of fresh, real, right? Oh, you, heard for... it, you heard it here first, man. <laughs> I anyway. love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. So fulfillment. Um, basically, I've had this idea that if you ask people, why do you keep living? Why bother? Life has pain. Life has suffering in it. Why keep on going? The reasons for living usually sort into three piles, which really have to do with the fundamental purposes or values that people have in life. So the three piles. One pile is the quality of life pile where people want to have pleasure, they want to enjoy life, they want to be successful at work, they, they want to have money, you know, they want to get laid, they, you know, they want to have a good time. Okay, right. in ways large and small. Uh, second category of values, you know, why keep living? It has to do with service. People want to contribute even if there's no quality of life in it, even if it's not fun or enjoyable, um, they want to contribute, they want to help in one way or another. And then there's this third category that I find really interesting. I call it learning, but it goes much more than that. It's where people have a quest to know it's true. They have a quest to grow, even if it doesn't make them any happier or doesn't help another person they want to grow, including for many people in spiritual ways or in ways that have to do with ultimate reality, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you've led me to reflect on this and think that for me, fulfillment means ticking all three boxes. Fulfillment mm -hmm. means uh, that there's that I've there that there's a fullness, fulfill, you are filling. There is a fullness of quality of life. There is a fullness and has been a fullness of contribution and service. And there is and has been a fullness of learning, including spiritual growth, transformation, and awakening. Uh, that's how I would define fulfillment for myself in those three areas. Oh, wow. And, and then, just finishing last reflection, more and more, I've been, my own journey, um, you know, my practice more and more, and I think it's a useful question to ask someone, what's your practice, right? Mm -hmm. What do you actually do? in your mind, why do you do it? And how's it going for you? That's a key question. I don't <laughs> oh, yeah. want your theory, I don't want your philosophy, I don't want your theology, I wanna know, what's your practice inter internally, experientially? What's your experiential process? And why do you do that kind of practice? And how's it going? What are you getting right. out of it? Right? That's really keeping it real. So for myself, my own practice increasingly, which goes to this question of fulfillment, is, it's like to come home to ultimate reality. Mm. That to me is the ultimate fulfillment, coming home to ultimate reality, being spread out 
into the universe and by extension the infinite and mm. to have a sense of that as the background kind of from which we enter into or receive the next moment continuously wow oh man that was an awesome answer rick you are so awesome thank you so much for that amazing i'm still answer working on the coming. last one i'm still working on the last one <laughs> i think you nailed uh, it so if you get any better than that we're, we're talking pretty, pretty dang incredible so <laughs> so rick one last time where can our listeners find you uh if they want to dig more into your world and then the course again for people who are still interested oh that's cool thank you rick hansen som.net that's where it's happening. Tons of freely offered resources, lots of goodies there that are just generously offered to everybody. And that's also where you can see my online program, The Foundations of Wellbeing. Awesome. Rick, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. Joe, it's great. You're awesome, guy. It's good oh, for you. Oh, thank you. Good thank you. you. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Art of Fulfillment podcast. If you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate if you left a review or rated our podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It really helps us to spread our message uh, and mission to help others create a life of fulfillment for themselves. And you can really just help us out by doing those things. We really appreciate you listening. And if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at Art of Fulfillment, or you can find me on Instagram at Joe Corsione. Feel free to send a DM or, um, or comment on one of our posts if you have a question, and we'll be more than happy to hand answer because we love to connect with you guys. We love to answer your questions, and we are always here for you guys if you ever need us. All right, thank you so much for listening. And remember, create a fulfilling life for yourself. We'll see you next Wednesday.